Hello, I'm Milton Jones. If you're at a party and you spill some red wine on a white carpet, first thing to do is to get some ordinary table salt, throw it in the face of the host, <laughs> and then make a run for it. When I was growing up, we only had an outside toilet, but eventually we saved up enough money to buy a house. <laughs> so here I am, Milton Jones, astronomer. So look up to the sky, focus your instruments and discover another case of Milton Jones. I'm about to unveil my brand new state-of-the-art observatory. Well, this is splendid. Everyone who's anyone from the world of astronomy is here. Sir Patrick Moore, Professor Stephen Hawking, Dr Brian Cox. Milton, who did you invite? Venus Williams. <laughs> Milton, please remember that this is a serious scientific enterprise. That's Anton, my chief technician, obsessed with the accurate and relentless pursuit of purist science. In fact, classic Sagittarius. Milton, that's astrology. We talked about that, remember? Ah, yes, I forgot. Memory of a goldfish. Classic Pisces. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't mean, of course, that the subject is dry or lacks excitement. For instance, I had no objection to your idea of hiring a snooker table to demonstrate the relative motions of the planets. Oh, yes. OK, John, off you go. Right, up. Brilliant. Classic Virgo. Milton, please. <laughs> All the guests are waiting for the main event of the evening. Of course, I nearly forgot. I'm really excited. Right, the coffee machine is turned on. No, Milton, you really ought to get on. OK, Anton, I'm going to make a speech. Excellent idea. <clears throat> Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Now, hands up, who wants coffee? <laughs> Hang on, I, I can't quite see you at the back. Milton, the new telescope? Good idea. Don't worry, I'll be able to see who wants what with this new <laughs> Welcome to the brand-new Greenwich Observatory here in Plumstead. And it's called the Greenwich Observatory because if you point the telescope over there, it gives us the perfect view of Greenwich. Here, here. For British astronomy, this represents a real step-up in accuracy and scientific know-how. It's the beginning of a new day. You know, when the big yellow thing comes up. What's that called? Dawn. Of course. I'll ask my assistant. Dawn? Yes, What's it called, first thing, when the big yellow thing comes up? Sunrise? Daybreak? Yes! Well, this moment is one of those. So now, if I turn our telescope on... Wow! You will see the stars. That's amazing! How did you get such clarity and detail? Excuse me. I think I know how. Oh, Sir John, please come to the front. Ladies and gentlemen, Sir John Pilkington, the Astronomer Royal. Sorry, everyone, he's a bit crabby. I forget which star sign that is. <laughs> the reason you can see so many stars is because you're simply pointing your telescope at our telescope. And I put it to you, you routinely use it to spy on me. Of course not. By the way, you want to get that rash looked at. <laughs> huh? Nothing. I knew it. You're a fraud. No, I'm not. Look, if we move the telescope west by a few degrees, we see... Huge round constellation of slowly moving stars. That's the London Eye. <laughs> ah. How dare you accuse Milton of being a fraud? He's a brilliant astronomer, has made a number of profound scientific predictions. Yes. Thank you, Dawn. For example, earlier today I broke a stained glass window. 
which was strange, because that's exactly what my kaleidoscope said would happen. (laughs) So how did I, Milton Jones, become such a famous astronomer? I've always liked the shape of stars, although one night when I was a child, I did phone the police to tell them that the Earth was being attacked by thousands of invisible sheriffs. (laughs) Back then, I literally devoured anything to do with science fiction. Once, I even ate a picture of Doctor Who. And sure enough, within a few hours, he'd regenerated into a completely different form. (laughs) They say I'm even descended from King Arthur, who utterly believed in the power of the stars and magic even though his wizard, Merlin, actually had no special powers at all. Merlin, come here. This table you've just ordered for my knights is square. I ordered a round one. Ah, noble King Arthur, the table may appear square, but if you do this, and this, now it is round. What magic is this? No, sire, it's just putting up the leaves of the table. (laughs) See here. I can put them down again. And here, back to a square again. Witchcraft! (laughs) No, sire, it's just... Oh, never mind. Let's put a cloth on it, shall we? Oh, see how the cloth hovers! (laughs) No, the cloth is just on the table, sire. Merlin, you must be the greatest wizard in all the earth. Yeah. You're really going to freak out if I show you the coffee maker, aren't you? I was brought up by my grandmother, who was an astrologer. But she got all her predictions out of a book, which she read far too quickly. And then she kept telling everyone that they were going to meet a tall, dark strangler. (laughs) She used to give readings at psychic fairs. But one day, in the darkness of her tent, I decided to have a go myself. Welcome. Cross my palm with silver, dearie. Is that you, Gypsy Rose? You don't seem as dark as last time. Uh, No, I'm her sister, Gypsy Cream. (laughs) Tell me what you see. I see a red car. I was thinking of buying a red car. That's amazing. And will I be lucky in love? Will I find a wife? Let's see what the cards say. Her name will be Mercedes. Oh, that's exotic. We'll meet in a saloon. Yeah. And her top speed will be 130 miles an hour. Oh, right. Hang on. Are you trying to read my future with top trumps? No, no. (laughs) Of course not. Now, would you like to know her fuel consumption? Do it properly or I'll get my money back. Oh, very well. I'll try a different pack of cards. Here we go. Right. I see a Pokemon. Oh, what? Next, I got a job travelling with a couple of elderly anthropologists called the Von Danikens, who believed in all kinds of conspiracies. UFOs, the Bermuda Triangle, and even that Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones is still alive. <laughs> My paper was enough to get me a place at Harvard University. There, I shared a room with a young social network entrepreneur, Mark Googleberg. Together, we set up an internet site for people who were recovering in hospital after being punched because they were so unpopular. It was called My Face Reunited. But even then, I could see that Mark had what it took to become successful with computers. Hey, Mark, you've got a computer. Yeah. Great times. 
Together we formed Geek Club, along with a bloke called Demetrius from Athens who left after the first meeting. <laughs> the only other member was my assistant-to-be, Dawn. She was studying the trajectories of anti-aircraft missiles, but had to change course at the last minute. <laughs> Sometimes the three of us would just hang around the college canteen and shoot the breeze. Good shot, Milton. Right. Now I'm going to shoot the camemberts. Way to go, Milton. Mark likes this. <laughs> Why do you keep saying that? Oh, no reason. It's just an idea I've got for another website. What a beautiful parabolic arc that arrow has. Oh, Milton, imagine that arrow was a rocket and, and you and I were going to a distant planet to start a new civilization. You wouldn't want to start a new civilization with him. You should go with me. I'm the brainy one. Yeah, well, I'm the normal one. Right, now I'm going to attack the Emmental with a chisel. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. I want to follow Milton to England and pursue our own careers in astronomy. Mark doesn't like this. Mark wishes to adjust Milton's profile. Ow! In that case, Milton would like to show Mark a close-up view of his wall. Stop it! Stop it, you're like a pair of angry birds. Hang on. That's given me another idea. So Mark stormed out, but later went on to set up the biggest social network site in the world. We didn't stay in contact, but I guess blokes are like that, aren't they? <laughs> After college, I managed to get a job with NASA, but only in their entertainment division. I remember once we sent a pop star into space to entertain the astronauts, but back at Mission Control, it all sounded a bit painful. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Back in Britain, times were hard. Dawn and I got a job washing dishes for the British Centre for Research into Extraterrestrial Life. But to be honest, the dishes were a lot bigger than I thought they were going to be. <laughs> and they each took several minutes to walk across. Hello there! Oh, who's that? That's Anton Peterson. He spent his whole life trying to make contact with life on the other side of the universe. At first, I was sceptical, but it turns out he really has spent most of his life trying to do that. Yeah, you must be Milton. Thanks for washing this dish. I hope you haven't got a dish rack, because I'm not sure I can lift it up. It's so impressive. Yes, I spend most of my life on this beauty. It gathers radio waves from space and concentrates them onto that receiver there. Well, it's good to have a focus. <laughs> my passion is listening for signals of extraterrestrial life. I've always wondered, do you think some aliens who have difficulty forming normal relationships go to conventions where they all dress up as humans? <laughs> Anton was so impressed, he offered us jobs in the observatory. For the first time in my life, I was working nine to five every day, day in, day out. But for some reason, I never got to see any of these stars people kept talking about. <laughs> but then the breakthrough came. One day, just as I was leaving... Well, five o'clock. See you tomorrow, Anton. Milton, might I suggest you stay up till perhaps a little later than you've been doing? You might well see something interesting from an astronomical point of view. He was right. That night, as midnight approached, I gazed enthralled at an episode of The Sky at Night on telly. <laughs> from then on, there was no stopping me and Anton. Sometimes we'd go out at night in the car, 
and then just stare up at the sky, and then suddenly he'd start screaming and insist I kept my eyes on the road. (laughs) But I first really made a name for myself when I predicted a cataclysmic gravitational alignment that would centre directly over Stonehenge. I can remember that cold afternoon in Wiltshire, surrounded by druids and TV cameras. And then suddenly, behold, it is starting. The sky has gone pitch black. Nick Milton, I, I think your balaclava's on the wrong way around. <laughs> ah, thank you. Now, Milton, this is Grandmaster Stag of Wessex, the chief druid. Milton, is the time soon? For then we must light the holy bonfire of Willow and Holly Spriggs. Yes, and by my calculations, Anton, this is how you will look when you're old. Probably not the best time to be playing with the apps on your iPhone, Milton. These people are expecting your predictions to come true. I I just hope we haven't over-egged it a little. Hello, Sally Peters. I'm from the BBC. Now, let me get this right. Milton, you're predicting the end of the world. What? Uh, No, no, no. I I think you'll find what Milton said was, if it doesn't happen, it wouldn't be the end of the world, which is not not quite the same. (laughs) And I gather you've written a book on today's events. Yes, it's called The World Will Definitely the end today. <laughs> When's it out? Next week. Shall we move on? <laughs> the time is near. All hail the sky. Behold All the, sky. the sky. Prepare the sacrificial holly. This is exciting. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Wow. Amazing. So dark, so cloudy, so nothing's happened, has it, Anton? It's rather embarrassing. I wish the earth would open up and swallow me for a couple of reasons. (laughs) Later on, after I'd extracted all the holly, (laughs) I used the money I'd made from the book to build my very own observatory. I'd hoped to equip it with the biggest telescope in the world, so big you couldn't fully extend it, otherwise it would hit the moon. (laughs) In the end, we decided on a more conventional one, a stone's throw from Greenwich, and here we are. What was that? Sorry, Sir John, just testing a theory. (laughs) Well, good night, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Well, Milton, that's the last of the guests gone. The night draws in, so we know what that means. Yep, home time. I I don't know why I have to keep saying this, Milton. (laughs) Many famous astronomers have found they can do their best work at night. (laughs) Darkness, of of course, do you know, it's as if a light has just come on. Well, that's why Dawn has been here every night since we began, waiting for you to join her, Milton. And maybe you'll see a heavenly body. Maybe one you've seen many times before but haven't realised quite how heavenly. I know I saw Sir John in the shower earlier, but he really isn't my type. No, no. Well, I'll leave you to it. So, Milton, it's just the two of us. You, me... And the stars in the night sky? Yes. Say something to me, Milton. Okay. Could you go and set up the spectrograph and start going through the photographic tracks? Well, to do that, I'll have to take my glasses off. Here I go. Why, Dawn, without your glasses, you can't see so well. (laughs) Better put them back on again. Oh, I'm not really that short-sighted. I'm over here. Where? about me. Dawn, you seem to be a bit tense and jumpy. Tell you what would help, a nice strong coffee. (laughs) Uh, Right, yes, um, I'll just get the... What? Sorry, I didn't mean to move the telescope. 
Oh, I seem to have hurt my cleavage. <laughs> Milton, I wonder if you could come here and take a look. Even better, if I walk over here, I can look at it through the telescope. Oh, right, it's all fine and I'm putting my glasses back on. Oh, what's that? What's what? That image on the telescope monitor. That wasn't there last night. In my defence, I was about to give a speech and had to stick the chewing gum somewhere. <laughs> oh, look there! Milton, I just saw the screen too, and I think you may have found a new comet. I know. Isn't Milton amazing? Quite so. An amazing, free-thinking mind whose lack of convention knows no limits. Sorry, would you mind not climbing on the telescope? Sorry. <laughs> As the first people to see it, we have the right to name it. Any thoughts? Well... I thought we could name it after a very close companion of mine over many years. Oh, Milton, really? Kenko. <laughs> Kenko, good, yes, Kenko. Why not Kenko? Comet Kenko. Now, it may not be a comet, so it would be good to get another astronomer to confirm the sighting. I'll call Sir John. He's not answering. I know how to get through to him. Hello? <laughs> Listen, sorry to get you out of the shower. How did you know I was in the shower? Yeah, just a guess. Anyway, you've just seen something in the sky. Oh, here we go again. Milton, it is not possible to see another constellation between the Great Bear and the Little Bear called Mama Bear. <laughs> we'll return to that another time. Uh, uh, Sir John, Anton Peterson here. Might I suggest that you direct your main telescope to altitude plus 47.3 degrees, azimuth 314 east of due north? Uh, very well, here we go. Yes, yes, I see it too. What do you think it is? I call it Kenko. By the way, I suggest cream. Will you stop going on about coffee? No, no, cream for that rash. <laughs> right, I'm hanging up now. Milton, there's something odd about this object in the sky. Its trajectory and destination doesn't seem right. Well, the interesting thing about a comet is that we can track its exact orbit in space so that the precise arrival time can be given to within a few seconds. And yet, with the electrical retailers of the same name, <laughs> they can only ever specify morning or afternoon. Hang on. That's no comet. It's a, well, it's a meteorite. And it's heading straight for Earth. Oh, no. Relax, everyone. I've seen this before. Once the sun comes up, it'll completely disappear. <laughs> but hiding by day and appearing by night, the meteor kept on coming. Anton thought it best to call a press conference. Now, Milton, remember, we don't want to spread alarm about the meteor hitting the Earth. Panic can often be worse than the reality. Yes, of course. So, everyone, allow me to demonstrate. The Earth is this tomato and the meteor is this sledgehammer. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> perhaps, uh, perhaps we should answer your questions. How big is it? Well, it's four miles across. Won't it be incredibly destructive? Well, that depends where it lands. According to one theory, it could land on Nottingham, but I'm not that optimistic. <laughs> uh, Milton, you were telling them about where the meteor was going to land? Sorry, yes. Uh, well, it's not exactly earth-shattering news, is it? I think you'll find it is. <laughs> oh, fine. Well, we think now that it'll land somewhere on the Mongolia-Pakistan border. There isn't a Mongolia-Pakistan border. There will be when it lands. <laughs> Uh, Milton, I redid your calculations and Anton and I now think it's going to land in the Yukon in northern Canada. I'm afraid she's right, Milton. Well, Dawn, if you'd rather believe Anton than me... Uh, no, I... I you uh... choose, Dawn. It'll land in Mongolia. Thank you, Dawn. This means a lot to me. 
and in front of all the world's press, I have a little something I'd like to give to you. <gasps> you don't mean... Yes, a sledgehammer to smash up Anton's calculator, teach him a lesson. <laughs> well, if that's the way you feel, perhaps it's time to go our separate ways. Well, do you know, I've always felt that you've held me back. No, do you really think so? Yes, do you remember that time when I wanted to run across the airport runway? <laughs> well, perhaps you're right. Please don't well. Even though I'm going to Mongolia with Milton, Anton, are you sure you don't want to come with us? No. No, I can never go back to that place. But why? <laughs> I used to be married to a lovely Mongolian woman, but she was very cruel. In the end, I couldn't stand it anymore, and I ran away. She offered a meeting of reconciliation, but I said wild horses wouldn't drag me there. <laughs> Turns out they could. <laughs> And so Dawn and I set out from Mongolia. Dawn wanted to travel light. She tried to get me to share a tent and a sleeping bag. It was as if she was trying to tell me something. I think it was that she just didn't like clutter. <laughs> then as darkness began to fall in the desert, I decided to settle down for the night. OK, everyone, stop here. Gosh, our guide seems to have a lot to say for himself. Well, if you look at the map, we are in the middle of the Gobi Desert. <laughs> Indeed we are, Milton. Alone, in the vast wilderness of nature, with just the stars to keep us company. Perhaps we should unroll the sleeping bag? Good idea. I'll take the night shift, and you can use it during the day. Right, fine, I'll just do a little light astronomy while you're sleeping. Sorry if my studying the spectroscopy readouts on the meteor will keep you awake. Don't look, I know I haven't always treated you well, and I'm sorry about that time I borrowed your car, made a bonfire on the passenger seat, and drove up and down, opening and shutting the electric sunroof, pretending to be a steam train. <laughs> look now, Milton, look at this printout. That is odd. This is telling me that the meteor contains a rare, precious metal called... Tantalum 75? Mark Googleberg! How did you track us down after all these years? I found your website. But that's impossible. How could you possibly find one website among so many hundreds of millions on the internet? Have you heard of Google? Not sure. Let me look it up on the internet. <laughs> Wait a minute. I can do this. Uh, I'll just get my laptop and... Pull. Well, who needs a laptop anyway? Exactly. <laughs> Computers are old school. Everything's mobile now. I know. I even saw a mobile library the other day. <laughs> <laughs> what will they think of next? How about this 5G WeMax satnet phone? Oh, that's amazing. That's all very well. But is it just me? Or are instruction books to electrical goods these days far too complicated? I mean, I just don't know that many languages. It's got everything. Touchscreen, sat-nav, crystal clear, NICAM sound. Oh, and it works underground. At least it will when I get my hands on that Tantalum 75 from the meteor. Never! Milton, surely that's a great idea. No, you don't understand. No one will ever be able to end a call by uttering the words, sorry, I'm going into a tunnel. <laughs> oh, my goodness, I hadn't thought of that. So if you're on a train journey from London to Aberdeen, some bloke in marketing could be on the phone for the entire journey. It's the end of civilization as we know it. <laughs> Pretty neat, eh? And soon the meteorite will be all mine. I've actually bought this whole area, so you're now standing on Googleberg property. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Jones, will you stop taking photographs? Actually, I'm just planning on photographing and mapping this whole area. But you've no right to do that. Annoying, isn't it? <laughs> What's happening? Why are the horses getting 
getting so agitated. It's the meteor. It must be approaching. We're too close. By my calculations, it should land just in front of us in three, two, one. Ah. Jones, you idiot. Where's my Tantalum 75? Hello? Milton, it's Anton. What do you want? Milton, I'm standing in a ghastly scene of destruction and chaos. Nottingham? <laughs> no! I'm in the Yukon, Canada, Milton. The meteor has landed here. That's all I need to know. I'm out of here. Wait, stop! Come back! We'll die out here all alone. Well, we're not completely alone. Oh, yes. We do have... The coffee machine. <laughs> I'd give up. So there I was, in the middle of the Gobi Desert, miles from civilization without supplies. A harsh, unforgiving landscape, where even the mosquitoes are huge. <laughs> and one of them even had a little man inside it. <laughs> Suddenly it landed, and I realized it wasn't a mosquito at all. Jones, it's me, Sir John. What are you doing inside a huge metal chaffinch? <laughs> you idiot! You got the coordinates of the meteor landing completely wrong. Don't rub it in. I'm not. I mean the cream for the rash. <laughs> Never mind that now. I've come to rescue you. We know what Googleberg's been up to. Get in. We travelled to the Yukon and met up with Anton. And Dawn. Oh, Milton, I knew you'd follow me. Well, you've got the sleeping bag, haven't you? <laughs> Milton, you're just in time. For some reason, Googleberg's extracted all the Tantalum 75 from the meteor and strapped it to his skidoo. And now it's full speed back to civilization. Quick, everyone, into the dog sleigh. Ah, it's no use. I'll never catch him. We need to call for backup. But unfortunately, I've designated this as the quiet sleigh. Yeah, well, yes, fair enough. Oh, now, who's that? Sorry, that's mine. I should probably get it. Oh, fine. Hello? Hey, Jones. Googleberg here. Just calling to say I've set up the coolest event online. It's me making another billion dollars, and you are not attending. Oh, my phone exploded. Of course. That concentration of Tantalum 75 has blown every electronic device for miles around. Uh, uh, mine's exploded too. And his skidoo is controlled by sat-nav, so any minute now... embedded in the snow. Well, will you look at that? The great computer entrepreneur, Frozen. Try turning him off and turning him on again. <laughs> and so the world is safe once more for decorum and restraint. Oh, Milton, kiss me. Uh, <clears throat> what? Public space. Not really on to start making outward displays of emotion. Oh, Anton, you're so uptight. Yeah, well, there it is. Typical Gemini. <laughs> That was another case of Milton Jones, starring Milton Jones, Tom Goodman-Hill, Lucy Montgomery and Ben Wilbon. It was written by Milton Jones and James Carey, and the music was by Guy Jackson. The producer was David Tyler, and the programme was a positive production for BBC Radio 4. And listen again next time, when you can catch another case of Milton Jones! Milton Jones!